Welcome to Crossing the Enterprise Chasm, a podcast about software startups and their journey moving up market to serving enterprise customers. I'm your host, Michael Greenwich. I'm the founder of WorkOS, which is a platform that helps developers quickly ship common enterprise features like single sign-off. On this podcast, you'll hear directly from founders, product leaders, and early stage operators who have navigated building great products for enterprise customers. In every episode, you'll find strategies, tactics, and real world advice for ways to make your app enterprise ready and take your business to the next level. Today, I'm joined by Vinay Hiramath, the co-founder and CTO of Loom. Over 12 million people across 200,000 companies use Loom today for asynchronous workplace video messaging, including large enterprises such as Olympus, Procter & Gamble, and Lacoste. Along the way, this meant Loom needed to become enterprise ready and start building new features and functionality for enterprise IT admins. We're going to dig into all this and more and talk about how Loom is moving up market and crossing the enterprise chasm. Vinay, welcome to the podcast. All right, sweet. We're good to go. So let's just dive right in. Give us a quick update on Loom. Where is the business and team today? And what's your current focus? So the business and team is we're going on about 195 individuals. We're distributed. We're from New Zealand to Poland with a majority of the employee base within the US, plus or minus those time zones. And the focus for the company really, 2021 was a foundational year for the company. We spent a lot of time building out two new pillars specifically. One is our integrations and SDK pillars. So we just released recently our record SDK, which allows you to record videos, looms within the browser for anybody that implements the code within the browser, no download for our extension, no installation necessary. And we've been able to partner with folks like Trello and Miro and um, Figma and be able to deliver these video recording experiences directly within their products. And so that's something that we built and released like really just a month ago. And then another foundation that we've been building is something that we're calling our destination. Basically our Teams-based product, which is really just like a Google Drive experience for videos was great for IT admins and being able to like unlock the consolidation story for making Loom a multiplayer story. But in actuality, we found that that Google Drive sort of model when you're creating these videos at scale is actually really archaic and outdated and not the right information model. And so we've spent a significant amount of this year building the foundations in place to allow for a really flexible tagging system, allow for people to publish looms within their workspace and discover content that is relevant to them without them having to find it or understand the imposed structure that other people put within their workspace. And then there's a lot of really cool stuff that we're doing, like being able to auto-tag things using OpenAI's GPT-3 against the transcript, being able to auto-title looms. I think 30% of people title their looms. And having titled your loom when you have this sort of like ecosystem and workspace for teams that use us at a large clip, like Atlassian, HubSpot, some of our biggest customers, they have hundreds of thousands of recordings. Having these titles, having these tags are really important. So we've been building a lot of foundations for these two pillars. We've also been scaling up quite a bit within our create pillar, which is where all of our recorders live. We've had a ton of growth on our platform. And so the great thing, and I think the thing that Michael, you're probably appreciating, basically we have this O of N sort of device problem where as long as Logitech keeps existing as a business, Loom is going to break in new ways that we didn't foresee. 
as we add more people to our platform. And so a lot of 2021 was also building these like stability foundations for our create pillar. And basically 2022 is going to be about us fully focusing on driving up the volume of activated work signups for our platform and being able to really build within these foundational pillars that we've set within this year. And so that's kind of where we're at and where we're going to be going in 2022. That's fantastic to hear. I mean, the set of enterprise companies you're already working with today is super impressive. And it sounds like you have extraordinary ambitious plans (laughs) for the next year. I want you to bring us back. Take us back to those earlier days when you were just launching Loom. People were just starting to record their first Looms and bring it into the workplace. How were you thinking of the product in that phase before you had all these enterprise features, before you had enterprise adoption? What were those moments that you went through when you started really seeing it click from the product design and experience itself? You know, it's funny. When we first built the product, because Loom is a new workplace behavior, we actually really didn't know what we had. When we had released the product, the first incarnation of releasing the product was, okay, there's this cool thing that we did. Hopefully we gained some traffic and that traffic we can drive back into our user testing platform, which is what we started as. And then hopefully we can raise some money to just keep working on video user testing. And so Loom taking off as a product was a surprise, to be honest. And There were multiple sort of light bulb moments for us. One of the light bulb moments that I tell people all the time is, you know, like there was this person who reached out to us in the customer support chat and they wanted me to repair their video. And basically, you know, in order to repair their video, they were like, there's green lines in the video. Can you repair it and send it back to me? I had to look at the video and it was this person just like screaming at their screen in Portuguese. And there was a stock ticker that was going down. And so like I repaired the video and I returned it back to the user and I was just like, hey, you don't have to answer my question here, but I would kill myself if I didn't ask what is going on this video. Like, what are you using Loom for? Up until now, we've only seen it used as like bug tracking or like one-off videos that people want to send to each other. And he was like, well, me and my partners run a hedge fund in Brazil and we manage over $75 billion worth of assets. And one of my partners made a really bad decision. And I thought your tool was the perfect tool to let him know how I felt about that decision. And so that was kind of like those types of stories started taking off. And that's when we started to realize, okay, there's like a lot more to this. It's starting to organically grow and people are starting to pick it up for new and expanding use cases that we never knew about before. And so what we started to see was a bunch of like pockets of smaller teams and evangelists starting to pick up video messaging, they didn't really know when or how to use it. And the cool thing about the Loom journey for Loomates internally, that's what we call our teammates, Loomates. For our Loomates internally, the cool thing was that, you know, we were kind of going on this journey with our customers. Like we were figuring out hybrid and remote work with them. We were using Loom in new ways that seemed natural. And then we used it in ways that were totally unnatural. And we're like, okay, we're definitely overusing our product at this point. But basically, around like a year after that launch, we went through this interesting transition phase where we started to use it for basically all operational areas where you needed a lot of fidelity and you wanted to cut down on back and forth communication and drive away ambiguity and know exactly what you're talking about. So we started using it for analytics updates. We started using it for investor pitches and memos. We started using it for sales and BD outbound. We started using it for like code reviews. And basically, we were probably like three or four years ahead of like where we're at right now. We were using the product the same way that people are probably using it in market right now, about three to four years before. And so 
we've always had this like viewpoint on how to use video messaging at work way ahead of the market just by the merit of us being within remote and distributed for a while and kind of understanding this new behavioral change. And so when we start to see companies start to pick it up in the same way, really the first Lighthouse customer that we had was HubSpot. I remember us having like, I think it was like 20 employees at HubSpot using Loom regularly. And it was just like a crazy sort of number for us at the time. We were like, you know, oh my God, like 20 people are using it. They're not just using it. They're using it like every single day, just like we use it. It was like a really cool moment. And then it started like exploding. And then it was like a hundred people. And then it was, you know, a thousand. And then we were like, how the heck are we going to sell into this company? Like we have no idea how to do a wall-to-wall deployment. We had no idea what we were building. And now that people are actually starting to use Loom the same way that our company uses Loom, we have to figure out our enterprise story really quickly. And up until that point, we had really hyper-focused on the single-player user experience. We wanted to make sure the recording stability was as good as it possibly could be. We wanted to make sure that the user experience was really dialed in. The onboarding was as fast as possible. We wanted to make sure it worked as much as possible across all the platforms that we started to support. We were building features that our users just wanted. We were very much so in this like phase of, okay, our users want a download button, ship it to them. You know, like we didn't have like real product planning, right? And so we had to take this thing that was largely a single player user experience and go through this transition of understanding how do we actually make it multiplayer? How do people actually manage videos at scale? And how do they think about the information hierarchy? And what is the buying persona that actually cares about this? And that's been like a long journey. We're still in the middle of it. And it's evolved rapidly at several different points along the journey. And I'd say that we're still going through a bit of a nexus of it where our buying persona, especially through the pandemic, has really shifted from these individual teams that have these specific use cases to now heads of ITs, CIOs, CHROs who want to use Loom as a way to create culture and cohesion, who want to use Loom as a way to be able to bridge the context gap between employees who are coming into the office every single day. So it's been a long journey. We're kind of like in the middle of this journey of like, we're finally just selling into these enterprises where we're able to do wall-to-wall deployments, multi-tens of thousands of seats. And we're really at the beginning of that journey, that repeatable sales journey. You talk about shipping that download button for the individual user, right? Asking for, I want to download my Loom. What things came from those teams, those team use cases which was maybe different than the individual use case. And if you could walk through the path from that to these larger and larger organizations, I'm just curious to hear about how kind of your product roadmap evolved and changed in conjunction with your customer base evolving and changing. Yeah, so the individual roadmap and the team roadmap, I think that we took a very utilitarian view on the team roadmap for a long time. And so this was the result of multiple things, but I think that you know one of the reasons why we took like a very utilitarian view on like what team features could be is because quite frankly, we just didn't have a use for it ourselves. And we were like the biggest power users of Loom. And so the biggest thing that we really shipped at the beginning that was a team feature was consolidated billing. And it didn't even have a shared dashboard. Like when I say consolidated billing, it's like one account could just tie several accounts together, but still the user experience is the same for all of the individual accounts. And that was the first like Teams thing that we delivered. Then we started to realize, okay, people are actually like really consolidating all of these videos into these like Google Docs or these Notion Docs or whatever else. And they want a place to be able to like structure that content within their workspace. And so we started to deliver like 
folders and a Google Drive experience, which in retrospect was actually like a huge mistake. I think that if we had looked at first principles of like, how should video information actually be structured? We would have gone with the tagging system like way earlier. And we probably would have been like way ahead on our team journey and roadmap and all of the things that we had built this year would have been like more about innovation versus just foundations, which who knows like what that opportunity cost looks like. Who knows if the market would have been ready for it, but I think it's something to like acknowledge. And so really the way that we started to think about the different use cases that popped up between team and individual is that a lot of the team use cases that we were hearing from our customers, we just didn't have a need for. Because basically at the point that HubSpot was adopting our tool at scale, they were adopting Loom at like the 100 plus mark when our company was like 20 people. And so like basically we had all these customers, we knew the most about like how to use Loom operationally, but our customers started having these pain points that we didn't really understand early on because we just couldn't. Like our company just wasn't big enough. We didn't have enough like customers that were using us at like several hundreds of employees recording thousands of videos. So really we only had these like few customers that could give us the insights as to like how their company runs. Obviously that's very different now, but what it ended up being is that we ended up doing like 90, 95% still individual features that focused on the individualistic user experience. And really we ended up making, in my opinion, short-sighted product calls on the team's experience. And we ended up paying for it in the long run. I actually have a blog post on Loom called like engineering lessons, shipping Loom Pro. And we talk about all this stuff. We also talk about like the team's experience, all that kind of stuff and all the mistakes that we made both technically and from a product standpoint. I will say that despite the fact that we overly indexed on like our own use cases, our own problems, the individualistic user experience, I actually think that overall that was the right call. This might be specific to Loom because we're a new user behavior. So a lot of times it just takes a long time for that initial champion who uses video messaging at work to actually have it proliferate to other people within the organization. But because we focused on the individual so much, we really do have like a fanatic user base that loves using Loom and swears by it. And that has been like a massive driver for the enterprise deals that we're seeing today. It's basically like the major driver. We have like a very typical bottoms up sort of motion where people start adopting Loom. There's somebody who's like really comfortable with video. They start evangelizing it in their org. And it's really like this nine to 18 month journey. And then all of a sudden it starts exploding within the company when they start to realize there's a need for it. And so even though I think that that sort of prioritization and focus on the individual and those pro features that they needed, call to actions, custom thumbnails, like was overall, it led to an unideal outcome when we started to think about the team's experience. I actually think that the ratio of spending that much time on the individual was still the right call for a bottoms up tool. Do you have a sense of what percentage today is focused more on the team-based approach, the groups versus the individual? It's probably not 95-5 today. Definitely not. So it's funny because even the team's features, like we still try to take the approach of like, what do the team's features look like to the individual? And the incarnation of what that means at different areas is like different, right? So for our managed or admin and enterprise team, they think about like the IT admin, like how wonderful of an experience is it for the IT admin to go ahead and hook up Okta or whatever else, ADFS into their org and just like seamlessly get everybody onto the tool. Like what is their experience with other products? Is it shit? Because if it is, then 
Like, how can we do better? Like, how can we actually delight the individual is still something that's like really core to our product and design teams at Loom. But if I had to guess, you know, like teams-based experiences, we're probably spending at least 50 to 55% of our product design and engineering resources on that right now at our current stage. My guess is that that will become even more over the next year. And also like, this is largely driven by the fact that we finally went like zero to one on marketing this year. You know, we just hired in a VP of marketing this year. We just figured out how to do like a repeatable sales motion with multiple thousands of seats. And so we're about to like more than double our sales team next year. And so there is like a driving function on the go to market side that is driving this kind of focus on the product side. But if you actually look at the org as a whole, we're going to become more and more sales driven, not because we're not like a product led org, we're always going to be a product led org, but because there is just so much opportunity out there, especially with what the pandemic has accelerated, a necessity for collaboration in a different way than people are already doing it. And so lots of focus on like teams based experiences, lots of focus on enterprise and admin. We fully expect to own, you know, everything from like a one person mom and pop shop and make that experience just as wonderful for them as it is for like, you know, a multi hundred thousand person, large public bank. I can't disclose names, but you can probably like extrapolate what are the biggest banks that you use? Like we're talking to some of them. So it's really all over the place. And we're trying to own like the entire market at this point. You mentioned this bottom up approach, which is very common today for like modern B2B SaaS products, you know, and that that individual focusing on the individual experience drives that adoption. I saw that you guys recently hired, I guess about a year ago, your VP of sales and success. I'm curious, when was the right time to hire that? How did you think through that? And what did you look for in that leader and bringing that person in, particularly around this bottom-up approach and how that drives forward your sales? As soon as we started working on the team's product, we knew we would need to start experimenting around sales. And so the one thing that I'd say is that I think there's like kind of an aversion for a lot of product-led founders to hire in a VP of sales and they, they end up doing it very late. It's a meaningful dampener on the total amount of velocity that you can have in the long run. And so we knew even though we were just like just starting to close these like team-based accounts, we were just starting to do it. We wanted to hire our VP of sales ahead of time to own all of it because it was our intention to go after like large whales and large enterprises in the long run. And we knew because Loom is a wall-to-wall product or one that philosophically we felt should be wall-to-wall we knew that we wanted to bring forward that VP of sales ahead of closing any of those types of deals. What that means is that, you know, the typical quota structure that you end up getting a VP of sales, you can't do that early on. Like you need to give them some leeway to figure out what that repeatable sales motion is. But the great thing about doing it early is that you build like a significant amount of trust leading up to that kind of quota structure. And then you also build a significant amount of IP in that sales leader. And that IP is really important because if you have a bottoms up SaaS company, how important is expansion versus going in for a new deal for your company? I don't know, but we figured that out at Loom and it's like all of success and all of customer experience also reports into our VP of sales because of it. And so I think a lot of these questions about like expansion versus going after new accounts versus like, where do you go top down? Like what are the different markets and segments? If you hire forward, a VP of sales, especially as you're starting to see mid-market accounts, smaller accounts start to close, and you know your intention 
is to go wall to wall, or you know that your product takes up a significant amount of expenditure on an IT budget, I think that it's actually a good idea to probably hire out a VP of sales anywhere from like eight to nine months ahead of the time that you actually think that you need them. Because you actually want them to be in your company, absorbing all that IP, building up that intuition. So they can be more effective and be able to scale themselves out of areas that maybe aren't as important or that aren't their bread and butter that are still important in the company. What does your typical enterprise journey look like for your enterprise customers? Are they coming to you inbound? Are you doing outbound to those IT directors or those procurement folks? I know you've had a bunch of momentum from the bottom up motion, but how does that turn into those commercial enterprise deals today? It's a good question. The answer for Loom might be a little different from other companies. And the reason I say that is because a lot of our enterprise motions are like, okay, there's already a lot of people using it. There's this bottom-up groundswell that came up, and then we're coming in top-down. And we're really just like trying to understand where the opportunity is from a buying persona. That is like a lot of our deals. But increasingly, we are seeing a lot of deals from CHROs and CIOs who just understand that remote work and collaboration is something that they are not good at and they're not informed about. And Loom as a tool ends up coming up a lot, like probably at the same or similar rate as like Zoom or Slack. Like we're in this interesting sort of transitionary period from how we work as like an economy standpoint, where we've also been getting a lot of tops down interest that honestly, I wouldn't have been able to predict. I think that it would have been difficult for me to predict that, you know, the pandemic would have lasted as long as it did, that it would have had as big of an impact on remote work as it has and that, you know, there would be this giant like resignation that a lot of people are seeing. And so people are trying to keep and engage their employees that they already have, keep the IP in house. Like I wouldn't have been able to foresee it, but we are also in like this really special place and position as a company where we are getting these tops down sort of sales coming in. One of those is these C-level executives who have inbound interest. We've also been doing things like running these account-based marketing meetings with other industry leaders, trying to talk to them at like through our VC firms. We also went to Saster where we were able to get a bunch of inbound demand and generate a lot of lead demand that we didn't have before. And also we've been approached by resellers and distributors like CDW, whoever else. And so we're starting to entertain those conversations. I think that we're not quite ready to go through a lot of those resellers, like just for where we are in the enterprise motion. And, you know, hopefully work OS can help us in the long run there. Basically, we're trying to get in to these companies, given that it's a special place in time for collaboration and remote work. We're trying to get into these companies in any way we can. We're not like super opinionated about, okay, we're only going to take deals from like CHROs that come through our VC network. Like for us, a deal is a deal. And we think that Loom and video messaging is broadly useful for everybody. And there's like a real value add. And so we're going to go into those deals anywhere and just learn as much as we possibly can. Vinay, last question before we wrap up. A lot of the listeners to this podcast are early stage operators, founders, CTOs, folks like yourself. But maybe a few years ago, what advice would you give those early stage entrepreneurs looking at going up market and building new business products? I think it would be understanding what your actual value add is as a product like whether it's a service, a platform, or a tool, like really understanding what is the value that you are delivering to the individual that is going to make that buying journey easier. I see like a lot of startups, I see a lot of startups and I'm like an angel investor across a few companies where 
I see a lot of companies and founders focusing on like the best user experience. And I'm like, oh man, like the person that you're selling into is like the CIO. Like you need to fully focus on that journey. I can already see it. It's like you are an admin tool. Like you should be focusing on how to make the CIO's journey as seamless as possible. But then I also see a lot of companies that are like fully focusing on the enterprise motion. And I'm like, but the reason that you're getting in the door at all is because a bunch of people love your product. And like, there's all of this flack that you're getting publicly about how your product is failing in all of these different ways. So you need to like weight more of your attention towards the individual user. And obviously these are like extremes, but I think that everybody kind of falls on a spectrum. And I would say that like the number one thing to keep in mind is just like really understanding intuitively and like also by talking to your customers, what is actually getting you in the door for these enterprise sales? And I think that like not understanding that leads to a lot of lost cycles. And then also not understanding that and kind of just going forward leads to a lot of loss of focus, which ends up becoming incredibly expensive as you start to scale your team. So I'd say just like understand what the actual thing is that gets you in the door up market. And the answer might not be like something that's out of a traditional playbook that you're bringing from your previous company. It might be that you have to take like a real hard look at, okay, how am I actually growing within the company? And just hyper-focus on that one thing. Hyper-focus on that one thing because focusing on just the user or focusing just on the admin could be really expensive in either direction. Vinay, I think that's really sage advice. Totally. And we were so early and like not even knowing what our tool was that we were just happy to just service the individuals who are using our tool. And it was so natural that individuals were signing up to just like record and send these videos that we naturally hyper-focused on the user as we started to see companies pick up Loom and we started to have investors ask us, hey, are you going to like verticalize into sales? Hey, are you going to verticalize into like all of these different cross-functional groups where there's like specific buyers, specific personas? We made the conscious decision because we had all of these years of leeway to kind of see this tool grow and this behavior grow. We made a conscious decision to stay horizontal. We really didn't verticalize and we stayed horizontal and we stayed individualistic in nature. Now, you can make a case like, did we stay individualistic for too long? I think many people would say yes. I'd probably say no. But it definitely worked out in the long run to be really intentional about that point. And it didn't come without its like fallout. You know, like there were definitely investors on our team who were like, okay, we're not interested in future rounds. Like we're here because we think the biggest opportunity for you is the enterprise sales motion right away. And we were like, we're not going to go there. We're just going to like keep building out the thing that we know that users want. We've actually had like real loss of like investment, whatever else it might be by making that decision. But I think in the long run, it was like absolutely the right decision. And we're winning at least right now. We'll see where it goes. I think that each of these chapters refreshes and you have to like reorient the way that you think about your customers and where you're playing. But that's how it panned out for Loom. It sounds like 2022 is going to be a big year for you. Can't wait to see what's ahead. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. Thanks, Michael. You just listened to Crossing the Enterprise Chasm, a podcast about software startups and their journey moving up market to serving enterprise customers. Want to learn more about becoming enterprise ready? The WorkOS blog is full of tons of articles and guides outlining best practices for adding features like single sign-on, skim provisioning, and more to your app. 
Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear about new episodes with more founders and product leads of fast-growing startups. I'm Michael Greenwich, founder of WorkOS. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time.